Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. So today I, I want to share on, uh, and those of you, I know Peter Muller knows this, this uh, story very well, but uh, uh, last century, early last century, a guy by the name of Demos Shikarian who started FGB, um, he wrote a book called The Happiest People on Earth. I don't know if some of you may have read that book. And at the time, there was a great outpouring of the Spirit early last century, and, um, and Pentecostalism was born as we know it in the last hundred years by a move of God, a move of the Spirit, baptism, the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues and prophesying and signs and wonders was kind of rediscovered in the church about a hundred years ago. And at that time, um, Demos Shikarian wrote this book because he was very much affected by the power of God and the presence of God being released all over the earth in this way that he wrote this book. And, and I remember reading it and, uh, and thinking, wow, it's, it's very, very interesting when God does a new thing, which is new to humans, it's not new to him. But when he does a new thing, it brings up joy in the human nature. And so that's why when God moves all across the earth, one of the fruits of a move of the Spirit is joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And so... When we look across the last 100 years, 200 years, 500 years, we can see that when God moves on His people, when there's a new work or a re renewal, if you like, we can see joy is always an attribute because the Lord is reinstituting something that we should have all along. However, some of us, we get caught up in trials and tribulations and we go through really tough stuff and it tries to steal our joy away from us sometimes and, and we face things. And this is one of the plots of the enemy, I'm sure of it, is to steal, kill and destroy our joy. Because if he can snuffle out our joy, then he can take away so much of our authority. He can take away so much of our influence. And so I want to just share on that today and and just reflect a little bit on, are we as believers, are we known as joyful people? Are we, would, would, people, would others say about us, those people have joy? It's something we have to fight for sometimes. If you can see that the enemy is trying to steal your joy, it's one area you need to go after. Go after joy. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and just laugh in their face? I've got to say, that was the best response we've had all year. That must be a strange looking person next door. It is just one of those weird things of nature that God put in us, that joy brings about something freeing, doesn't it? It's liberating. I don't know about you, if you've seen those um, sort of Eastern 
um, joy camps that they have retreats where people just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And it's meant to do all sorts of things. And, and the Bible actually talks about it, doesn't it? In fact, in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 17:22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is like good medicine. A cheerful heart. You've got to fight for joy. If the enemy is trying to steal your joy, fight for it. Stand against the enemies. Put a shield of faith up and keep your joy. Whatever is trying to be stolen from you, I believe God wants to encourage you today. Fight for joy. Fight for it. It's worth fighting for because it's like a good medicine. It brings healing. It brings liberty. It brings a light spirit but the opposite crushes our bones and brings a heaviness. Now, I know there may be a journey, there may be struggles, there may be things that you are facing right now that are trying to bring you down to a level of zero joy. This is exactly the time to turn that around in the face of the enemy and take up joy, choose to take up joy. Just like faith, sometimes we have to choose to stand in faith. It's the same thing with joy. Because it's a fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we have to sow, even though we may not feel like that's being relevant and being born in our lives, we have to choose joy over our situation. We have to choose freedom and happiness and cheerfulness. And then we may end up seeing that in the weeks and months to come because we've sown that. What we sow, we reap. Mark Twain said this, I've lived a long life and had many troubles, most of which have never happened. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? We fear a whole lot of things that some of them never come to pass. We fear and we worry about it and we have anxiety about so many different things, about what everyone else is thinking about us and no one else is thinking about us. So many invisible mirages and negative things that may be out there and forces that may come upon us and this might happen, that might happen, that person's thinking this, I'm thinking this, second guessing everything. All the while, it's a mirage. None of it's real. Really, all that matters is what does the Father think of us? What is He thinking? Are we following? Are we listening after His voice? And are we following in His footsteps? most of which have never happened. It's an interesting thought. John 16, 31 to 33, we'll read from this. Jesus talking to His disciples. I'm reading from the message version here. It says, Jesus answered them, do you finally believe? In fact, you're about to make a run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me. But I'm not abandoned. My Father is with me. I've told you this, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I have conquered the world. No matter where we are in life right now today, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, and I think the King James Version said, instead of take heart, it says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, take heart. NIV says, take courage. Whatever situation you are facing right now, the Word of God says, take heart. Have courage, be of good cheer. Use the joy of the Lord to be your strength through this situation. He has conquered the world. Whatever situation we're facing, and it may be huge for us, 
He has conquered the world. He has conquered every situation. We have an eternal joy that no one can steal. The enemy cannot steal your eternal joy. If you know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus today, then I want to encourage you, get to know Him. Ask Jesus into your life, form a relationship with Him and you can have eternal joy. You can have eternal peace. You can have eternal life. And it's one of those things that, in fact, I want to read you a quote from Charles Stanley. He says this, God's plan for enlarging His kingdom is so simple. One person telling another about the Saviour. Yet we're busy and full of excuses. Just remember, someone's eternal destiny is at stake. The joy you'll have when you meet that person in heaven will far exceed any discomfort you felt in sharing the gospel. Eternal joy, eternal rewards, these things are real. We want the Lord to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we will have a joyful heart because of what we've invested here on earth. Do you know you are so wealthy? You are so wealthy in kingdom wealth. It's a matter of how we invest it. How do we invest our time? How do we invest our thoughts? How do we invest our our peace and our joy and all those things that we've been given? How we invest those things is going to have a big bearing on, on our result in heaven, our rewards in heaven. Any believer will go to heaven, but I believe there are certain rewards for those of us who have really invested our talents wisely. And so we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity today. We have an opportunity this week, this month, even dare I say it, to be strategic about the people we talk to, the conversations we have. Karen and I have been talking about this lately and, and sometimes it's, it's interesting when people do things that don't please us. These people, we give ourselves a carnal excuse to not do the same um, gospel sharing and the same good things to them because we take offence. Let's not let offence get in the way. It's very relevant for me now, I'm building a fence. It's very hard putting in 250 metres of fence, you know, it's, it's a big job. But it's one of these reminders that if we build fences, it's going to block us in and it stops the gospel from getting out. And so we don't let offence, we don't let little carnal offences get in the way, do we? We had an opportunity for offence the other day. I was, I was driving the right speed actually, but the guy behind me seemed to think I wasn't going fast enough. Ever had that issue? And man, he was letting me know. He was right up the tailpipe. And um, the temptation is, whack on the brakes a few times. Let's teach this guy a lesson. I was taught well. <laughs> anyway, so he, he then veers off into the right-hand lane to turn right. We, and um, we end up at the lights together. It's a very awkward moment. Ever get that? <laughs> now, I hope you're on the receiving end, not the giving end. When you arrive at the lights together and there's been abuse shed and he wound down his window and he let, let rip with both barrels... And I just sort of looked over and gave him the thumbs up. Thumbs up, okay. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because that stuff doesn't really rattle me. I, I don't know why, but I sort of just look and think, what a waste of energy. All that energy he's just expelled. He looks like a doofus because we end up at the lights together. 
And yet he's, he's been spending all this energy and we, Karen and I sort of looked over and he's, you know, expletives and expletives and I'm like, oh, well, whatever. But it's interesting how we can let stuff like that, and probably 10 years ago, it might have been a different outcome. And, you know, it might have been a different outcome in the sense of, I don't know, I don't know what I would have done, but, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you give a little bit back, don't you? It's like, you know, oh, come on, mate, be quiet. But now with road rage today, you've got to be really careful who you do that to. But it's one of those things that we can get so easily offended Let's not let offence get in the way of opportunities. Opportunities that are far bigger than these little offences. When we think about it, I always find it interesting. I was, I was brought up with a very um, devout um, football father. And when I was a child, it was West Torrens Eagles. So we'd go to Thebiton Oval. There'd be all of about 100 of us there in the rain. And, um, and we'd always get thrashed. And, uh, but, you know, the umpires never umpired correctly. I mean, I, there was not one game I went to where they umpired correctly. It fascinated me. <laughs> but it's one of those things. That I, I know, and then obviously the Crows came in in, I don't know, the 90s or late, yeah, 90s, I think it was. And, uh, and then, it was, then it was Crows. And it's interesting, you go to a game and you'll see some spectators who are absolute devout for one side. And I mean, the, the, the other team are absolutely the enemy. I mean the enemy, especially if you, you grew up in a footy family or a one-eyed family, they are the enemy. But then you'll learn later down the track that maybe they're, maybe they're a Christian or, or maybe there's some other common thread in life that we have. Oh, they're okay now. They're okay now, but hang on, what about all that? What, but they're the opposition, they barrack for port or they, you know what I mean? I mean, that's like Port and Collingwood, they were the ultimate enemy. I'm sorry if you're a Port and Collingwood fan. If you didn't grow up with footy, make it relevant for any other realm of life, but you know what I'm talking about. And then you find there's another common thread in life where they're, they're a friend. So you're an enemy in football, but you're a friend in politics. And, and there's all these different brackets we have. And and I can see this in the body of Christ. There is so much, and I'll hopefully I get this right, intersectionalism going on right now. And what I mean by that is there's intersectional hitting blocks where God is getting us by surprise, where we're realising that politics is not the number one and, and our church style is not the number one and our songs are not the number one and our brand is not the number one, our look is not the number one, but Jesus is number one. And so all this intersectional crossovers is happening all over the body of Christ where all of a sudden we're realising, hang on, this conservative's doing better evangelism in that area than we are and that's not so bad anymore and wow, those guys are going for it in that stream and let's, let's champion that. And so all over the body of Christ, you'll see speakers speaking at conferences that never would have done that 20 years ago because of the barriers and the barriers are being broken down and God's getting us intersectionally where we're just hitting each other by surprise. And so even theological differences, we probably have... Oh, I might be wrong on this, but I'll just take a guess. We may have less theologians today than we did 20 years ago, but we have more crossover in the body of Christ than ever before. It's because sometimes we get barriered by our theological differences and we, we take offence at a difference in someone else and we push them away. It's a very small-minded thinking, isn't it? Kingdom thinking is much bigger than that. 
this is why I'm a little bit fascinated. I'm a bit scared by Leif Hetland, but I'm a little bit fascinated because he's speaking in mosques, intersectionalism, intersectionalism. God is getting people in random places that we used to think was taboo. In fact, we used to think it was antichrist to do something like that. And yet he's preaching the love of God through actions to imams. These are leaders in very, very interesting places. And so sometimes what we take offence to, it doesn't limit everyone else, it limits us. So when we get rid of our offences, God opens doors. He opens doors to new opportunities. If we're offended by one particular style of person, then watch our heart. Watch the judgment of our heart because it's us who's the issue, not them. If we're offended by one particular style or a particular mindset or a particular thing, now I'm not talking about ungodliness, but I'm talking about even in the body of Christ, then be careful that we are not the stumbling block. Be careful that we haven't got the plank in our eye because these are opportunities for grace. When we operate in grace towards someone who is offending us, it is a fantastic thing. It's great to not have those trigger points anymore. I believe that this, this part is in today's day and age is where we can shine a light as believers bigger than anyone else because we have a reason to be the happiest people on earth. But have a think about it. Are we? Are we the happiest people on earth? It was amazing when God was pouring out in Toronto outpouring and a spirit of laughter fell on the body of Christ and the whole body of Christ got completely offended because God wanted to make us laugh, but maybe He wanted to bring us a spirit of joy. Maybe we didn't have enough. And so it's, it's one of those weird and wonderful things that when we get to heaven, He'll say, you strange people. I gave you the very fruit of what I said you would have and you all got up in arms and offended. And, and so it's so strange, isn't it? What, what we're gonna learn in eternity. But we let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let's read some of that. Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Whatever situation you are facing right now, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You may not feel it. You may not even like hearing it. Uh, and, and there's times when it's the worst thing you can almost say to someone is the opposite to what they're feeling, but it's exactly what we need to hear. Joy will overcome whatever you're going through. And it may be a time for mourning and people will mourn with you and there's a time for doing that. There's a time for, for recognising a situation, but let an overriding eternal joy be your strength. Let a joy that God is in control. Let a joy that He knows better than you and better than me. Let a joy that eternally He has plans and purposes for you and for me greater than on the earth. And I always think of it this way, no matter what can be thrown at us here on earth, we are going to reap incredible rewards with an eternal joy in heaven. And so we always have that joy fire burning within us. Even if we're facing trials and struggles and situations, you have an everlasting joy. 
Don't let the enemy steal, kill and destroy joy from your life. Take it up like a shield of faith because it can overcome all sorts of depressive thoughts, all sorts of anxious situations, all sorts of doubts and fears. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let the joy of the Lord overcome those situations. Release joy in your life. Sometimes it might mean you have to get in the car and put some worship music on or however, whatever you do, go to the beach or, you know, in the shower, whatever it is, just release joy over your life by faith. You may be amazed what begins to happen because what we focus on, we often go after and get, don't we? What we sow, we reap. So whatever situation you're facing this week, begin to release joy over it. It may be the most non-joyous event and situation. Begin to release joy and it might be amazing what happens. It might be amazing what happens. I, I was fascinated yesterday. I got completely rabbit trailed on a, on a Facebook thing as you do. It just pops up and you have to go there. You have to start looking at that video, don't you? And um, anyway, so I was looking at it and it was a, a highly... Um, magnified uh, view of water. I don't know if anyone has ever seen this before. Highly, highly, highly magnified view of water. And it is fascinating what is living in water. There was all sorts of colourful creatures and things swimming. And I mean, some may say that looks parasitic to me. It looks disgusting. But but this was good, purified, clean water. And, and th- when it was magnified, you know, I don't know, hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times, I don't know. But it was phenomenal, the, the life that was swimming in our water that we drink every day. And, and sort of the caption was, it's incredible, the life force that just exists in water. And, and it just made me think, my goodness, God's put millions of little swimming creatures just in a cup of water. It's incredible the plans and purposes that God has. And His Word says that laughter is like medicine. So sometimes we have to go after things, even if we don't feel like it. Go after it. Go after joy in your life. And it's contagious. People love joyful people, don't they? Even if they're like a little bit of a larrikin or a bit of a a weirdo, it's like you still want to be around them. Why? Because they carry joy. Why is that? Because you want joy in your life. All of us want joy. It's one of those traits that's very attractive. I don't know about you, but every now and then I randomly get sidetracked on Facebook watching a comedian. And I'll show Karen. And I don't spend 24 hours a day on Facebook, by the way, but it's just I get caught up on random things. And, you know, um, I think Carl Barron, you know, he's just a weird looking dude. I just look at that dude and I'm like, he is funny. And he's very inappropriate. So I'm not advocating him today. But I remember there's there's one, and I'm not going to try and do him today because I can't do him for peanuts, but I remember one and I was just absolutely laughing at this dude. Why? Because he's carrying joy. And there's something attractive about people who carry joy. And you and I as believers are to be the happiest people on earth. Even if our situations are not saying they should be joyful, we should be joyful because we have an eternal joy. People who don't know Jesus don't carry that. I understand if they have depression. I understand if they have an endless a tunnel that just looks dark and they don't know what to do. But that's when we can step in and we can say, hey, do you want eternal joy to overcome all that other stuff going on in your life? Then get to know Jesus. 
But we've got to actually carry this stuff to evidence it. It's one of those things, this is a principle that, and Karen and I have talked about this a lot, but this is a principle I always carried in business. And it's called under promise and over deliver. I don't know about you, but oftentimes in church and in Christianities, we do the reverse. We promise everything, but we deliver hardly anything. So we talk about the Bible, we talk about all sorts of things that Jesus said to do and and how we're meant to live our lives. And yet Monday comes, we get out there and we're hit by all the same stuff that everyone else in the workplace is. Don't look any different. We don't talk any different. We don't, our actions don't look any different. Everything else is the same going on in our life. That's called over-promising and under-delivering. We wanna over-deliver Christ. We wanna over-deliver. So that means sometimes we might even just stay quiet about, our faith, but everyone else, when they look at us, they can see something about us. They might not even know. They might just think, wow, you're just some peaceful person who doesn't get frustrated at all those, you know, meetings when everyone's all up in arms, protesting on the streets about various little things going on right now. You're just carrying peace. You're carrying a peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. Or maybe you're carrying joy, joy that is beyond whatever's going on in the situation. And maybe there's, you know, the, the, the work situation isn't so good and there's layoffs happening or retrenching happening or redundancies or a situation where there's fear taking hold. But you don't carry fear because you know your father's got it all under control. And so you carry a peace, even though there's, there's a lot of stress going on. I remember at certain times in in business, uh, particularly when you're a leader, where you cannot let yourself be bound by the same fears that everyone else is carrying. Because if you let those things overtake you, everyone carries it. And I remember at certain times when we only had maybe a week, we we used to call it our pipeline of work because it literally was our pipeline of work. But um, we only had a week left on work on the books, right? And um, that's not so good when you've got, say, 300 staff and they all know that there's only a week's worth of work left. And so I'd go out on the winding machines and I'd talk to the guys and, and the first question they'd have is, we've got more orders coming up? We've got more orders coming in? Because they're thinking about, am I going to have a job in a week's time? Because they know when the winder stops, the work stops, there's, there's not many jobs left. And it was almost tangible um, and, and I could sense it you know, just in the atmosphere. When we had a month or less work on the books, it was like this vibration of anxiety in the atmosphere all around the factory because everyone was thinking the same thing. Everyone was thinking, have we got more orders after this particular pipe? And I'd even sense, okay, they're slowing the winder down now so that this job stretches out a little bit further. And, you know, there's various things that you can just see. But if I let that fear take hold of me, then I succumb to the very thing that I'm meant to stand against. And so there were times where, and I've told this many times, I'd have to have Scripture, and I had to have a lot of Scripture up on the walls to remind me that God is bigger than the, the pipeline of work. If God's put me here, He's going to take care of it. If God's put you in a situation, He's not going to make you look like a fool, even though you think you might be embarrassed. He is going to bring about good things even in the struggles, even in the trials, even in the confusion, even in the stress and the fear going on, God will use that for His good. He will turn it around and He might shine His light on you because you've been able to stand. The Bible says stand and stand firm. 
When you've done all you can, stand firm. Sometimes that's all we have to do. Stand firm, whatever it is, whatever storm's raging around your life right now, stand firm. And then once we've stood firm, we begin to activate joy in the Spirit. And we might not feel it in the flesh, but begin to activate it in the Spirit. And what it does is it tears down the weapons of the enemy because he hates it when we laugh in his face. It's like pouring coals on his head. It's that spiritual currency that no other fleshly currency can, can wage war against when we actually stand in faith and we begin to activate faith. This is called over-delivering, over-delivering. Because we're beginning, when everyone else is in panic, we're over-delivering. No, don't worry. I, I remember having some team meetings sometimes and, um, and standing up in front of a, a group of employees and saying, guys, it's okay, don't worry. We've got work coming in. I had nothing on the books. They had no idea. But I would stand up there and say, Zeph didn't know this. He worked for me, a few other people. I was lying the whole time, Zeph. But it was all in faith. It was all in faith. And I would say, it's okay. It's okay. We've got work coming in. We've got work coming in. And sure enough, work would always come in. Sometimes you'd have to navigate, negotiate and work around it. And, you know, there's different things you have to do. But in faith, I would always say that. And that's just one of those things that sometimes you have to do. I remember Karen and I, when we're doing a lot of changes and chopping and improvements in the college, I remember going in sometimes at staff meeting and there's all sorts of thoughts and, you know, things going like this, you know, wondering what's going to happen. And I remember standing up, it's all, it's all okay, it's okay. Our numbers were dropping at the time and it's a bit of fear in the camp. I remember, it's okay, it's okay, everyone. Things are turning around, things are turning around. I'm going, I hope so, Jesus. You know, things are turning around. Here we are years later, things have turned around. God will always plan for you to prosper. He will always plan for your improvement and your increase. It's a matter of will you get through it? Will you walk through it? Will you journey by faith and with joy to use those weapons against the enemy and stand? And believe me, if you can use them during the trials, you'll have so much more authority, so much more influence once you're through the trial. It's one of those things we often look back now and we think, my goodness, how on earth did we even stand? We had our business completely crumbling and transforming, our church transforming, our school transforming and Karen going through personal health transformation and every single thing we had to stand like a rock and stand firm and we had to activate things in the Spirit even though it was zero in the natural. In fact, it was going completely opposite. Completely opposite. So if things are going completely opposite for you today, you're in a good place. I mean that. You're actually in a good place because you are primed for miracles to be released. You are primed for the joy of the Lord to be activated in your life, which will bear so much fruit in the years to come. Because if we can operate in joy where there is no carnal joy, then we activate a spiritual onslaught of God's helpers. Angels are ministering spirits to those who believe. Ministering spirits to those who believe. I remember this, and there's been certain times in our lives through our trials where God will send us a person. And we don't recognise it at the time, but you can look back a year or two, five years later, and you go, I wonder if they're an angel. The Bible says that sometimes we're going to be surprised about who's an angel. I wonder if there's any here today. I'm not really sure, but uh, there could be. Maybe we all are, I don't know. But 
if you ever look back and you go, man, God sent that person in during that season and they were just what I needed. I haven't seen them since. They floated in my life for a few years and floated out, but man, they were just what I needed. God will give us seasons of grace where He'll open doors and relationships to bring about His kingdom purposes that are bigger than what we can recognise at the time. And so those seasons we want to look out for. Look, look out for kingdom relations, kingdom connections, where He will bring people in your life to bring healing, to bring purpose, to bring a voice, and to bring breakthrough in your life where you couldn't otherwise see it. And so we've noticed this over our life in business, in health, in ministry. There's been various times where, where there'll be people connecting in with us, which we maybe normarily wouldn't connect in with. But we look back and we think, man, it was almost like an angelic visitation from a person where God's opened doors and opened something up. And when we go with that and we recognise that, it brings breakthrough. Watch out for God's connections. Watch out for God's opportunities because I believe He's always after you. He's always for you. He's always wanting to bring miraculous little doors opening in your life and in my life. And if we look for them and if we recognise them, we can see His bigger hand is at work. His bigger hand is already at work in your life. You are not too small. You, you are not in lack of resources. You have the King's resources at your fingertips. And the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand, Matthew says. And if the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand, it's not very far away. So you have an abundance of resources available to you. Sometimes we have to recognise and tap into it. 